please make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe, or you can always find us on any of the podcast platforms, and that's Fostering Change. Well, you know what? It's hard to believe that it is already 2024. You know, I always laugh about the fact of how long it's going to take me um, to actually write the new year. Um, I will continue to write 23 on things, and I always do that. Um, you know, what an amazing 2023 it was. For those who know, I traveled 211 nights. That's exactly right. Um, going all over the country and actually all over the world this last year um, to talk about children who are in our foster care system. You know, I've had the absolute privilege to be um, a host to the number one podcast in a foster care and adoption for the third year in a row, and have had some of the most amazing guests in 2023. As 2024 starts, um, I have decided that I need to take a little bit of a break. Um, I need to take our podcast and move it to an every other week podcast. I need to start thinking about the time that I'm spending with my five children, my husband. Um, and even though I still want to continue to grow our organization, and get the word out. Um, it's time for me to give my permission to rest. And with my next guest, that is exactly what the name of her book is. It's called Permission to Rest. Ashley Denise, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you today. Yes. You know, I have to tell you, it, this book could not have come to me at a better time. You know, my team has been really on to me about not giving myself grace and permission to to rest. And, you know, I'm always worried about, my gosh, if I what if I miss that another opportunity or get that that other person who I could speak to? Maybe that's one more child that, you know, we could get adopted or one more child that, you know, can come out of, you know, living in an office and staying in someone's home. Um, explain to me what made you, what was the calling for you to write this book? I, so many different things called me to write this book, but you know, the biggest one for me was that it was a book that I needed. You know, honestly, you know, I always hear that like sometimes we create the medicine that we need and, and we create the medicine that our communities need, which you so clearly understand all the amazing work that you're doing. And this book really came out of that. I was so desperate and I was exhausted and I had gone through another cycle of burnout and I was looking around going, okay, can I just go check out a book on this resting thing? I know I need to do it. Everyone's saying I need to do it, but I didn't fully even know what that meant. I thought that resting, I could just take a few naps or, you know, chill out and watch some Netflix for a couple of weeks and then I would be fine. But none of those things really helped me. And so I was like, okay, maybe it's a little bit deeper than that. Maybe I need to do some soul searching here. And, you know, what I really had to look at was, was a lot harder than what I thought, you know, it was, I had to go in and really look at my belief systems. I had to look at how to reprogram myself and reorient myself and kind of shift my mentality out of this, like, go, 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 hustle, 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 strive, strive, strive to like, really looking at my physical health, looking at my mental health and going, yes, I have big dreams. And there's so much, especially right now in this time that we're living in that is urgent, that urgently needs our attention. And at the same time, I cannot show up for those things if I'm not taking care of myself in a deeper way. And so that was really the piece for me. It was like, how can I take care of myself in a really deep way by offering my body something that it desperately needs, something that it's also designed to do. Our bodies are designed to rest. We are not designed to just go 24 seven for years and years without taking a break. That's not how we're designed. And so really looking at that, really looking to science, really looking to nature, looking to different forms of spirituality and going, 
all the information points to taking a rest. You know, we can take a rest in all these different ways. You know, so there's, how can a, there's, I do that? there's a section in your book that says honor your body's signal that it's that it's had enough, that <laughs> it's ready for rest. You know, yes. and I have to tell you, I read that in a particular time when, um, you know, my body, you know, even though, you know, I, I, I'm active, I go to the gym, um, you know, I have, I have five teenagers, um, four of them boys. Um, I have, I, I, I started feeling that towards the end of the year where my body was saying, you know what, no matter how many times you go to the gym this week, um, I was still so tired, you know, <laughs> and I still felt like, you know, I, I just wasn't getting, even though I was, you know, trying to get rest, I really wasn't resting, you know, <laughs> uh, what made you feel that your body was just saying, okay, this is it, you know, Ashley, it's time to, to, to give it a rest. I kept getting sick and then eventually my body went, I was in a full like diagnosable, like burnout state where I couldn't work. And at the time that that happened, I was seeing upwards of like 40 clients a week in my private practice at the time in Los Angeles. And I was just, you know, hustle, 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 go, go, go. And I started noticing that I was burnt out. I would schedule, I would have to schedule a nap for myself every day. So I would see like five clients, take a nap and then see the rest of my clients into the evening. You know, I was like, something's not right here. Like I, my therapist doesn't schedule a break during her day, like what's going on? And that was part of it. And then I just kept getting sick and kept feeling run down. And then eventually my body was just like, it's done. I had to, I had to stop working and I had to stay in bed. And then I eventually had to, you know, do some different things to take care of myself. But it was, you know, I talked to a lot of people about this. Our bodies will kind of force a break on us in some way or another, right? It doesn't necessarily show up as adrenal fatigue. It doesn't necessarily show up as burnout. It can show up as an autoimmune issue. It can show up in all these different ways, right? Lower immune function, all this kind of stuff. So really looking at what are the ways our body's showing us that we need to rest and how can we my question now for myself and my life is like, how can I do something preventatively instead of having to try to put a Band-Aid on something later? So, you know, for me, and, and I have to tell you, I'm playing the devil's advocate here. For me, I, I, I hear depression, you know, and from someone who grew up in the foster care system and deal with mental, I deal with mental illness and having five kids who are from the system and having to deal with mental um. I, I've had signs what you just said, but I always felt like that was my depression that was coming on. And so it was increasing my new medication and, you know, doubling up on my therapy this week. But instead, you just made me realize that it's your body telling you that you need to slow down. Yeah, you know, there's so much beautiful neuroscience research out there that shows that our bodies and we, you know, we know this, we can look at how our bodies are designed, we can look at, you know, the ancestral lineage in which we came from, it's like we are supposed to be taking breaks, right? That's why we sleep. <laughs> we can't just keep going for 24 hours a day, right? Our bodies need rest. And so, and they need that sleep and that sleep is so imperative. And what I see so much, especially in the United States is that, you know, there's all this research on how people are not getting enough sleep, right? And so we're already sleep deprived. There's like rampant insomnia. There's so many sleep issues. And so when there's that happening, we're not even getting enough sleep, then resting already becomes a much bigger issue. So if we're not even sleeping at night and getting the like whatever six to eight hours of sleep that we need, that our bodies desperately need to repair and do all these incredible things that they do during the night, then resting is be gonna become even more out of reach. And so both of those things are interconnected. Now, I often say that rest is a bridge to sleep, right? So if we're not sleeping and you're listening to this and you're struggling with insomnia or struggling with sleep issues, that's a really good place to start to then start to look at rest after you've got your sleep handled.
Yeah, so I will have to tell you that I um, suffer from all of those things that you just said. Um, as my doctor says, I take a little cocktail of medication to even get me four to five hours of sleep. This morning, I um, was up at 3 a.m. Um, and after going to bed at 11. So I um, I am that insomnia guy, you know, but I have to tell you, you're a mom. I mean, let's be, you're a mom and you're a mom to, to three toddlers. You know, I remember when my husband and I, when our first four children arrived, um, we had four that arrived under the age of four um, within a three month mm. span. And I mean, it was, there was no rest. <laughs> and, and, you know, we didn't have a nanny and, you know, um, my mother-in-law came and stayed for two weeks and was like, you guys are crazy for doing this. But, you know, but but you're also a mom with three toddlers. And by the way, you know, I love the fact that you you were a foster parent who adopted and now you're fostering again. You know, um, you know, so my first question before I ask about the rest part is, did you always have it in your heart that you were going to be a foster parent? I love that question. And the honestly, the foster piece came from my partner because we had had our child, our son Solomon, and he was about, we had just moved out of the city. So it was, he was about a year and a half. We'd moved out here to where we live now in Mariposa. And he really wanted, uh, my partner Nick really wanted another child. And and I was like, I, I'm, I feel complete in that department. I do not want to physically have another child. Not even because anything bad happened. I just felt really done with that. And he said, well, I really want to foster. He's like, I've always wanted to foster. It's something that I've been so passionate about since I was little, like I really want to do this. And, and I was on the fence, you know, for a lot of the reasons I think many people are in the beginning, just so much stigma and so many different things that I've heard that none of that were true, by the way, just for anyone listening, you probably already know that if you're listening to this podcast, but I was scared and he was like, let's just take the classes. Let's just go through the process. We'll get our social worker. We'll do the whole process for the county and then we'll just see. And so after we, as we were going through that process, I should say, I just became more and more interested in it. But then this interesting thing happened where I was like, there's no way we're going to get a kid. We live in this small county. There's so few children that come into that don't go to kinship. So in our county, most of the children that come into the system through CWS go to kinship because of where we live. We live in a very rural community. It's rare that they're going to go into a, just a regular kind of foster care placement. And I was like, we're never going to get a placement. This just seems like so outlandish and we're never going to get a baby. Like, how is this even possible? And he's like, let's just hold the hope that like we're going to get our foster baby. And lo and behold, <laughs> you know, six months after our approval date, we get a call from our social worker and she said, I have a baby. He's in the NICU. Like, will you take him? You know, will you foster him? And we said, of course, like it was resounding. Yes, but it was just one of those experiences, too, that I just I think in my mind somewhere, I just never really thought it was going to happen. And then there he was. <laughs> Isn't that the most amazing feeling? I will tell you. Yes. My husband and I went through the same exact thing that you, you and your partner went through. We, um, we, you know, I came, I grew up in the system, and so my, my, my husband, totally opposite. Um, you know, grew up in the Midwest. Family's been married fifty four years. Didn't even know the word foster care actually by the time he met me. And I remember we did all the classes and stuff, and I said they're never going to pick us. You know, we're two white men <laughs> living in D.C. I was like, you know, most of the kids are of color that you know we're gay and sure enough six months after we had finished our course the social worker called and said we have two kids and we were like do we were like we and i was like and they were like we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and brother sister and by the way the two-year-old's never going to walk and talk and are you sure you want him um we can split mm. up and i was like they're siblings and then three months later the phone rings and they were like we have two more 
And they were like, you know, a six month old and a two year old brother. So that's how we ended up with our first four kids. And then in 2019, my husband and I adopted an 18 year old who had been mm. in the system since he was five. So, you know, I love mm. the fact that you you took that step. Were you were you concerned because of the fact of, you know, as you talked about, you know, the, the myths that they talk about with kids with trauma. You know, I have a son who has fetal alcohol syndrome. And even though they take, they gave us all the bad things that were going to happen, my son's actually the president of his school. Um, He's the most amazing boy today. You know, he actually just had a birthday where he just turned 17. So do mm. you concern, you know, having a child coming from the system, knowing all that you're, you were learning about, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome, drug addiction, um, you know, all of the, the, the one thing that the, the thing that I, I remember during our classes that they never taught us was, you know, this reactive attachment disorder that children get, were you concerned and, and what do you think as your, your kids are getting older? I was concerned. And interestingly, I have a background. So I, at the time, had just completed a three and a half year training program in somatic trauma work. And so I was working, I had already been working in the field of trauma and uh, working with adults and so not children or babies, but working in the field of trauma for several years. So I felt like I had, you know, some like a little bit of a leg up in terms of my under, excuse me, in terms of my understanding of the research and in terms of, you know, what levels of healing are possible. Um, I didn't know. So our son who came to us was detoxing when we got him. And I, what I wasn't prepared for was how intense the detox was going to be and how, um, you know, the, the kind of lack of education, I should say, from, um, you know, the system around that piece, just how tough it was going to be. They were like, there's not a lot of research out there. There's a lot of research, a lot more research on fetal alcoholism than there is on like methamphetamine detox. Right. And so that was like learning on the job, like, oh my God, we have this little baby who's really sick. And he also had a bunch of other issues. And so that was, I think that it was definitely overwhelming. But what was also so interesting, and I was just saying this to my partner the other day, there was no from the second he came in the door and maybe this sounds really weird because i know in fostering we're supposed to be like you know i was just already like i knew he was our son you know and it wasn't to like erase his biological parents it wasn't about that at all it wasn't about like you know shunning them or erasing them or that they were like never going to have contact with him in the future it wasn't about that it was just like i just knew he was meant to be with us if that makes sense and so even though it was so insanely hard and overwhelming i was like he's supposed to be here and yeah. we're supposed to love him like that's what's supposed to happen but i will say this you know he was he was born um you know, really compromised in a lot of ways, had to be on a ventilation machine. And when we, he came to us at seven days old, he was born in the middle of the pandemic. He'd never seen anyone without a mask on. And so, and we've been calling the agency, like, can we go see him in the hospital, please? Like we already known about him. Can we go visit him? And they're like, no, 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 we'll bring him when he's out. So they brought him over. And for the first, like almost two weeks that he was with us, he wouldn't look us in the eye. He would only look at us like this. And so to see a week old baby who was just like so scared to look at you was just so heart-wrenching. It was so heart-wrenching to see like the level of trauma that was already there. But what I will say, so Zen, just, his name is Zen, he just turned two, and he is the most radiant, just joyful, just enthusiastic, like hilarious, like beam of light. I mean, he is just amazing he's such a special soul and just such a special like literally we'll take him out and people are just drawn to him they're like who is this child he was amazing i'm like i know he's just so amazing so what i've 
learned through this process, and I know you're so deep in it, is just, it's like the environment can just change so much. We have so much power in our environments to support these kids. And that is so cool, despite like, yeah. You know, but everything that they tell, so I think that's awesome. You know, everything that they tell us. I mean, when, when, when I, I, let me tell you, I remember when they handed my son Makai to my husband, I saw the way my husband looked at him. And I actually, I write about this in my memoir. I was actually jealous because I could see mm. love immediately. My husband was like, this is my son. And, and they had said he was autistic and, you know, he wasn't going to walk and, you know, he wasn't going to talk and, you know, all of the labels they put on him and everything. And, you know, by the time he was five, we had found out he had fetal alcohol syndrome because we had finally done the adoption and we took him and had all the tests ran. And my husband read a story about a young girl in foster care who had fetal alcohol syndrome and she was put on a farm with a, a family or foster parents. And the foster parents wrote a story about how it just really changed the little girl. And my husband walked up to me and said, here's five farms for sale. And we literally bought a farm with chickens and goats and a pig named Penelope. And, you know, I'm not kidding you. By the time my son was six years old with a chicken under his arm, he was saying his alphabets and he was running and he was talking. And, you know, we wouldn't allow him to put shoes on because we felt grounding was so important. So I just love, love, love that you and I have such the same mindset when it comes to this. And your book could not have come to me at a better time. I'm telling you, everybody, the book is permission to rest um we'll actually put a link here but as we close out this session i uh there was another part in your book that really really touched me and um and actually i printed it out to keep on my desk to remind me and it says <laughs> our work is so urgent that we have to practice resting mm. think about that you know, I think about, you know, we've delivered over 230,000 comfort cases to kids all over the world at this point, and how important that work is and how urgent it is. But I have to practice to rest to continue that job. I I absolutely love that. I, I love that. Let me tell you, you're it's amazing. You are amazing. I'm so, so excited that you were able to write this book. I Everybody, you know, permission to rest. Um, go out and get it because it's 2024 and i think the one thing as crazy as the world is right now and as crazy as things seem to be getting um i think we all need to rest and i think that it's going to make the world a more beautiful place if we all just sit back take that deep breath and really learn how to rest. Ashley, thank you so much for being on Fostering Change. And I hope your year is full of rest, but so full of love with your three babies. You know, everybody, this is once again, another episode of Fostering Change. I say this all the time. We all have an opportunity and the opportunity is to be a part of the change. And how you be a part of the change is be a good human. Take care, everyone. <laughs>